When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. What do you think of Brian Johnson as the Bills head coach? Ben and Johnson. What did I say? I think you said Brian. I meant Ben. I know you Thanks did. You don't even know that. your coordinator's name? Uh, that's why I'm trying to throw him off. <laughs> go, Get Brian Johnson. Get Brian. Leave, Brian, leave Brian, Brian Johnson oh, No, of course not. Brian Johnson. <laughs> Yo, 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 what's up? It's Chris Sims on Button. That's right. We got week 11 in the books. And yes, it's two experts. One guy doesn't even know the offensive coordinator of his favorite team that he grew up with. The other guy, who knows what the hell he'll say. Yeah, that's me. What up, everybody? It's Sunday. It's in the books. Home teams dominating today around the NFL. Crazy as always. I don't know. Maybe not as crazy as usual. It didn't feel like it. Ahmed Farid is here. He is looking good. He is in... Uh, off the plane, yeah. took a stumble on Saturday night. I saw it live. Oh, I saw it live. The throw. He set you up to fail. Michael right. Robinson, he threw it too far. He wanted to see you run and maybe try to dive and catch it. So, so I'm on the field right. in Madison, Wisconsin. It's halftime of the Notre Dame game. Yes. Uh, so we're just kind of giving analysis of the Notre Dame game. There was a play in the game. Tobias Merriweather went deep on a fly. And so I was like, it'll be funny, Mike Robb, if I just go deep to recreate the play and you throw it to me. Yeah, right. And so we coordinate it beforehand, and we have a guy in a steady cam that follows us. And he goes, don't run too fast because I won't be able to keep up with you then. Yeah, right. He's I was like, holding a camera. I was like, that's fine. All right, that's fine. So I'll just jog, and Mike Robb knows I'm jogging. Right. So I like start out like, all right, here I go, Mike Robb, at the end of our segment. And he just throws it immediately like it go. 20 yards farther than I had anticipated. I know. He gave us some loft, so he did give me a chance, yeah. but not enough of a chance. You, I was impressed. You had a little burst. I, I was did. really, when I saw you going for it, I was like, oh, he's going to pull his hamstring. Watch out. It's about to happen, honey. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. And then the suit held up, even though you suit did held a, up. a, a summer, somersault. I did basically. a tumble, yeah. And then, uh, let's see. Yeah, well, you know, now we know. Michael Robinson, he works on TV. He was a college quarterback. He was a good he college quarterback. Well, now we know I got moved to fullback. He can't. <laughs> It's slow. His broadcaster's yeah. going down the middle of the end zone. Yeah, yeah. But I did. Yeah, the suit, suit's okay. I feel actually. I do feel a little sore. Like my right yeah, side. Yeah, you haven't fallen hit the like that in a while. I huh? feel a little sore yeah, from that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Madison was fun. It was an overtime game. Right. Wisconsin won. They're bowl eligible now. Oh, Two five and five teams. New head coach. Kind of like That's the good. Big Ten season. Good for but, that. Uh, but yeah, this was an interesting day. I think in the NFL because we had some comebacks. We had some teams that were down that we maybe we didn't think were going to be down. We had some rookie quarterbacks trying to step up and yeah. play in some big spots. Right. And so let's get right to it. We're going to go through all the games. That is our promise to the homies each and every Sunday night with Chris in his black T-shirt and black pants. Let's start with the comeback kids. And we'll start with my guys. I'm going to like the start of this pod. <laughs> the Detroit Lions come back to beat the Chicago Bears 31-26. to 26. And I was so happy because I was watching this game like I do – 
many Sundays on Red Zone because I, I got to keep track of all the games, right? And it does Scott does a good job of keeping me up to date on yeah. all the all the different games. And from watching this game, it was so frustrating because the Lions' defense looked like it had the last couple of weeks. I'm just like, man, they're not good enough on defense. Yeah, right. And it didn't give the off, offense was going kind of three and out. Time of possession at the end of this game was 40 minutes to right? 20 it's, minutes. It's pretty astounding. Lions never had the ball. No. They just never could get anything going, no. but. They got the ball back with, you know, about four minutes to go in the game, started scoring some points, and did a totally unlike Lions thing. I mean, I've never seen the Lions play like this. Normally they're in the Bears situation. They came back and win. They showed that they can play a game where they got outplayed, didn't look good for most of it, and yeah, still came back. But just and hang around, hang around, hang around with a team that they know they're better than. If they could just keep it close, they feel like uh, the better team will rise to the top. The cream rises to the top, right, as they say. It was impressive, you know. I mean, some of the interceptions today by Jared Goff were shocking. Uh, I think that's the first thing you would say. I mean, it really was. I mean, to, to the point where, you know, they weren't, like, unlucky. It was almost like, damn, you didn't see the middle linebacker in the middle of the field, right? Haven't seen him make, like, decisions or plays like that in a long, long time. Hasn't happened, really, since he's been a lion. That's for sure. So that was, I think, the, the first surprising part of it, right? I think the other part, you kind of hit on it, too. You know, Chicago, first off, has been better on defense, they don't give you anything easy. They're going to play man-to-man or be pretty aggressive almost every play. They're not going to let you they're not going to sit back and let you be the aggressor, right? It looked like they had a pretty good game plan. It looked like they tried to crowd the line of scrimmage and, you know, change things up every now and then. Uh, but but all in all, you know, it's impressive Justin Fields was good. The run game was good. Um, you know, the Bears we know have some weapons on the outside. So they moved the ball and did some good things. I mean, had a chance to close the game out, really, end of the football game. I was surprised that they didn't run the quarterback a quarterback run or something like that because that had been successful for Fields, whether it was scrambling or quarterback design runs. That's one of the ways the Bears controlled the game, controlled the clock like you talked about. That's where the game was lost, and that was what the Bears did there at the end of the game is exactly what the Lions have done in the past is that they had just finished off a 14-play field goal drive. They had scored on their last four Five possessions. Yes. They had scored in the last five possessions. Right. And then when they need it the most, they go three and out. They went three and out. And do you do you got the plays there? Because I want to say, it, I, might, I think it was a run all three all three plays. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. I'm not as good and, at working the, uh, the browser. Yeah, it's okay. And, and you know, you're not as good as me is what you were saying there? Is that what you're, <laughs> you're saying? You're not, you're not sure if you're as good as me I'm there. Look, yeah. Well, no, here, I'll tell you what they did. So, oh, Khalil that's Herbert, what happened. Khalil Herbert, no gain. Right. Khalil Herbert. Left one, tackle. Right. One for yard. one yard. And then, this is where I forgot. Oh, that's right. He throws the go route down the left sideline to uh, Scott, 13. And really, by all due accounts, looked like he threw a good ball. Scott faded, first off, kind of took some weird steps when he looked like he was trying to locate the ball that made him slow down. And then the second thing, he kind of faded to the left yep. as the ball was coming down. And it's just like, wait, no, just run straight. It's going to fall into your lap there. It was so a perfect pass. It looked like it was a perfect pass. It was unfortunate, certainly, uh, by the Bears. Because like you said, the Bears did a lot of good things. You know, defense forced turnovers. Fields looked pretty good. I'm still totally intrigued by this Fields-Bears situation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, most people around football think that the Bears are moving on to another quarterback. I just sit there and just go, man, I, you know, he's, to me, looking like he's going to make it tough on them. His athletic ability, and he continues to get better at throwing the football. I know it's not perfect. I still know there's a little meat left on the bone in that area. But you can win with him. You think you're seeing I think you can. a way I, to win with him. Back. I can. Now, listen, I'm not there every day. You know, I'm not there in meetings. And is he doing all the little things that an organization wants out of their franchise quarterback? I don't know. I can't speak to that. I can't. 
But I know what I see on the field. I see progress, that's for sure. And then I see some abilities that I go, that's damn good. That's special. Uh, you know, to your point, the one thing about your Lions football team, they keep the pressure on the gas pedal to the floor always right whether it's trick plays going for it on fourth down or even like hey our defense we need to make a big play here they're not going to sit back and just let you do it they're usually going to try to force something themselves here but I worry about your defense as you know I think yeah. it's, it's real and I think your concern watching the game is real too I think a lot of it is what we talk about I don't think we're off you know pace there the secondary is just a little bit of lack of talent in the secondary right they're relegated to playing zone more than I think you'd want to in the NFL. They don't trust some of those guys to play man-to-man. I think Sutton's really the only guy you guys can trust in that situation, right? And he was the one that got and he beat was the one the that got beat on the deep, uh, yeah, yeah, on the deep post, right? Was that yeah. DJ Moore on on Sutton? I don't, I, yeah, no. yeah. Are we oh, talking oh, about? I'm talking about that last the the play that you just talked about. Oh, with that Scott. was him on Scott yes. too. Okay, yeah. yeah, right, right. So yeah, that's not their bread and butter there. And then as we talk about too, you know, the 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 defensive front seven has a lot of good but there's only one guy that's a huge difference maker and I'll say this I do still think they're a pretty good run stopping uh, defense but it's a different animal with the Bears the Bears can really run the ball the traditional way and then can run it the non-traditional way either way the encouraging thing is you guys don't play your best and you still win a football game you learn lose the turnover battle four to one and win the football game that's something that didn't happen in Detroit for a long, long time. And I think that just speaks kind of the team and everything Dan Campbell's got working there. Connor McGinnis says, thanks, guys, for making my drive to work better every Monday. Can you just say something good about Justin Fields? Anything? Well, you have. Uh, good yeah. to know, Connor. We've done yeah. that already. It just needs to be in front of Ahmed to make me feel better after that fourth quarter <laughs> by the Bears coaches and that uh, elevation by the Lions coaches. So I, I, I know my Bears bias. I don't like the Bears. I yeah. made that very clear. And so right. i got to make sure that we give them praise when they deserve praise. And so I think we have the dots for that Justin Fields 39-yard touchdown pass to DJ Moore. Pete, with Pete back there punching the buttons, we got Gabby and Morgan in late it was on a, a beautiful Sunday throw. night. So I here mean, it is. This can speak to both yeah. Justin Fields and what they've done and, and maybe the Lions' lack of being able to handle stuff like this. Yeah, you know, again, yeah, not, not the best one-on-one man-to-man type of football team here. Nice little play design. He's really looking at it from left to right, kind of commit to Mooney on the deep crosser, to DJ Moore on the go route. And as we know and what we've seen all year, I mean, DJ Moore, when he gets a step on you, you're in trouble. And I think the beauty of this play was Justin Fields stepping up in the pocket, right, bought a little extra time, threw the ball high and far down the middle, and let DJ Moore run and get it. You know, but this, I, I again, you know, to our man Connor, I, I see positives with Justin Fields. Like I can't speak to what's you know going on behind the curtain, like I talk about. But the the throwing has improved. The seeing of the field has improved. Let alone we know he's still the best running quarterback in football. That's for sure. Uh, so we'll see. He's going to make that decision hard on the Bears. I'm going to be intrigued to see what they do as well. But uh, your Lions kicking butt, still yeah. alive for you know number one seed possibility or at least top two seeds here we'll see how this plays out eight and two is the Lions best start since 1962 they lead uh, the Vikings by two games in the NFC North although the Vikings currently in action versus the Denver Broncos and NBC our Sunday oh, night football it's game a, it's getting good too oh boy. Josh Dobbs threw an interception right so I mean we we, we kind of had a good one going here okay. Josh Dobbs throws an interception at 17 to 12 all right 
Broncos get the ball in very good field position inside the red zone. They go back a few plays, but then they get into a position where Russell Wilson throws a pass to Jerry Judy. The Vikings all-out blitz. He throws it to Jerry Judy. He drops it in the end zone, so they had to settle for a field goal. So now we're at 17-15. Instead of the game could have been 19-17 or or 20-17 if they went for two. So we'll see where that goes. As always, we will keep you updated in real time in a game that you already know the outcome. Yes, well, they know all the outcomes of the game. I know, but this one. I'm throwing the challenge flag on your little smartiness This is the only one that's different because we also know the outcome of the other games. (laughs) This one that's currently (laughs) happening, we have no idea. What's happening? That's true. Uh, That's a good point by you. We did. We did use your brains on me. Come on. (laughs) We we did see what happened at the end of the Rams Seahawks game. What a what a game! Yeah, man, these Rams are tough. And so basically, I get I get these first two games. I get my Lions with a win, and I get my guy Matt Stafford coming back and getting a win for the Rams. One point win. Seventeen. Detroit Rams. Detroit Rams. Uh, Pete got me that shirt uh, not too long ago. So Seattle led sixteen to seven in the fourth quarter. The Rams scored the final fourteen points in seven and a half minutes. And then at the end of the game, Jason Myers missed that 55-yard field goal, which I'll start off by saying, and I mentioned to you before yeah. the pod. You felt like they could have been more aggressive in the like end the there. way. It's like right. they just completed that long pass, DK Metcalf. Down the middle, right. And I'm like, all right, now this, this is like a 55-yard field goal right here. Yeah. And then I was like, they got to cut time for a couple more passes, maybe spike the ball. They were like, no, we're good. We're, Ran we're, the ball up the middle, defensive coach. He doesn't want to see the offense mess anything up. He had faith in his field goal kicker, and he went it. All typically, defensive coaches are a little more conservative than the offensive coaches, right? That way. And you're right. There was 23 seconds, like you said. It looked like they could have thrown the ball over the middle for a 10-yard game and still spiked the ball at that point, or thrown the ball towards the sidelines or whatever, right? But I, I hear you there. 55. It's not like that's like, oh, okay, we're good. It's at 55. Yeah, he was off. I don't care. Short, yeah, too, I right? don't care how good you are. That, that's you know, once you start going, 50 is about. Okay, I'll say if it's 49 or 50 this day and age, 2023, I go, okay, I feel pretty good there no matter what. But, you know, for each yard you get outside of 50, it goes, it gets exponentially harder, right? Mm-hmm. And 55 is I don't care who you are, Justin Tucker or whatever, that's no slam dunk. Now, maybe part of it was, the, you know, the health of Gino. It was kind of miraculous how that game played out is that he goes out, his elbows Doesn't all wrapped. play for three series, and all of a sudden he comes back in. And they go, oh, it's an important time in the game. Let's throw in well, the yeah, I don't, I never understand good. that in the NFL right now. You hear me complain about that. Every Everybody in NBC hears me complain about guy goes down, acts like he's dead, doesn't play for you know a series, needs to be helped off, he can't walk or whatever, and all of a sudden three plays later he's back on the field. Right? I just it drives me crazy about the current NFL, but whatever. I don't know. He did take a tough shot as he was throwing the ball, kind of like a Brock Purdy-ish in the NFC Championship game in Hassan Reddick, where you're throwing the ball, that arm and elbow get caught in a vulnerable position to where I'm sure it did affect him. There's no doubt about it. The story of this game is still the same story we fucking talk about with the Seahawks every week. The Seahawks dominated the early part of this football game, and they can't put people away because they can't score touchdowns. That's really the biggest problem with them. You know, they control and dominate certain parts of every game almost a whole year, and it doesn't translate into anything positive for their football team. Now, again, I know they're up 13 nothing, and that's all good, but well, you know, 13 nothing you know, is, is nothing in today's NFL. And they're the Rams who couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball for the, most of the first half, but, oh, hey, we're only down 13 nothing. Okay. Cooper Cup goes out of Cooper the game. Cooper Cup gets hurt with an ankle injury or something on the lower leg. And Stafford makes two big-time throws and a, a, another big throw right before the half. And all of a sudden, they go down and score a touchdown. And in a half where it felt like Seattle totally controlled and dictated the tempo of the game, all of a sudden, it's 13-7. We're going to halftime. 
and the Rams are still in this. And to your point, the Rams are, you know, they're so admirable of just how tough and gritty they are and hang around and their defense keeps hitting for four quarters and Stafford gets hit and they just, he keeps hanging in there and making a play whenever it's a big moment. And really, I, I, that, that's all you can really chalk it up to almost there. It's the fact that, you know, there's four scoring drives by the Seahawks. Three of them end in field goal. There's two scoring drives or three scoring drives to the Rams. Two of them end up in touchdowns. It's a continued issue with the, the Seahawks where if they can't score from outside the red zone, they seem like they have a hard time scoring in the red zone. I know they scored their first one there today, but it's an issue. They don't run the ball well. They don't protect well enough. Those two things, let alone I think their red zone offense is kind of simple, those two things are leading to them losing a few more games than they probably should have this year. Yeah, Seahawks' schedule from here on out, not easy either. And they trail the 49ers by one game now in the West, and they host the 49ers on Thanksgiving. And you look at their upcoming schedule, I mean, it does not get any easier for them. Um, I, no. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's no, a lot of teams It's dicey are, now. It's like, dicey. I, I'm looking around the NFC here. You know, and it's just like the NFC North. All of a sudden, you, the Vikings are six and four. Could win another one here tonight, yeah, right? Detroit, and you got a couple teams there. It's like I don't know. You, Seattle's borderline so they're, they're here. They're teetering. They put, teetering. Probably shouldn't be a borderline. They probably should be a top five team in the NFC. Oh yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong about that. But you know, when you you know you lost three out of your last six games, right? And you know, lose to a team that uh, I, I have no problem saying that in totality they're better than the Rams, right? Yes. Did I add that up right? Am I wrong? What's that? You, I, I thought you were questioning my math. No, there. no, no, no. You know, um, but you know, I, I, it's the the defense is coming along for the most part. It's the offense that bothers me, and like I said, I think it's the lack of being able to run the football, lack of not protecting all that great, and then Gino. You know, hasn't been his best this year throughout the year. But to me, teetering, whatever you want to say, you're right. With the 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles, the next four games, I mean, yeah, there could we could be sitting here four weeks from now going, the Seahawks are 6-7. and seven. I mean, I don't think that's a shocking statement for me to say that. The Seahawks have lost five in a row, right? So this will be a big game on Thursday night against San Francisco. And, of course, they got a really tough stretch. they got to figure some things out there. And we don't know if Geno Smith will play. He said after the game about playing on a Thursday, we'll see how it goes. And so who knows if Geno Smith will be out there, if it'll be Drew Locke again. But Matthew Stafford in this game ties Fran Tarkenton for 11th on the career touchdown passing list. He had one today, and I did see a nugget. Where's this one, too, about fourth-quarter comebacks? Oh, 35 fourth-quarter comebacks Yeah, where's that rank? Surpasses Johnny Unitas, ranking him sixth in NFL history. Now, you play for the Lions, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to sure. come back in the fourth. And yeah, he did. Right. But, I mean, also having to bring the Lions back and win a lot of those games, that's not easy either. No, it's not. You know, it's, it's, there was a lot on his shoulders in those years. You know that. I know that as part of me defending Matthew Stafford forever. Going, what the hell did he have in Detroit where everybody just thought he was supposed to win every game every week? Never had a defense. Never had a running game. It was like everyone was just like, you had Calvin Johnson. And I was like, oh, damn, I didn't know a two-person combination should win Super Bowls now, huh? I mean, it's, it was insane. He is a all-time great quarterback. He is. I'm not saying he's like, you know, bona fide Hall of Famer. I think he's on the 
teetering on the edge of that conversation. If he was on a better team, I think I, the yeah. conversation would be already done. I, I, I think you're probably right. You know, I think there's a little more playoff victories. If he can add to that a little bit, then maybe he does get in. But he's so much better than people will ever give him credit for. And that's what sucks about football sometimes. You could be an awesome football player and be stuck in a bad situation, and nobody will really see the, the, the gifts that you have to give to the league there. He's uh, phenomenal. I think the world of Matthew Stafford. The Rams are now 2-0 and versus Seattle this season and 2-6 and versus the rest of the NFL. So they have their number. The Seattle Seahawks go down for the second time versus the Rams. Jordan Love, maybe he's a future Hall of Famer, too. He no, comes I'm not back. ready to go okay. there yet. Okay, all right. Maybe another week. We'll yeah. see this another week of him bringing the team back. 23-20 to is the final score. They come back against the Chargers, that game-winning touchdown with uh, two minutes and 33 seconds left. Uh, Jordan Love was good in the second half, and um, PFT Ghost says, maybe not Big Butt Award, but Jordan Love should get the Big Balls Award for quicker decision-making. Past two weeks, he's been getting the ball out quicker, just in time for the Packers to let me down in person on Thanksgiving. Oh, PFT Ghost, that'll be unfortunate <laughs> if that happens. Uh, but we have seen this a few times early in the year where Jordan Love, it's like fourth quarter, he has played some of his best football in the fourth he, quarter. He has. You know, I, you know, I think there's a few reasons to that. One, it's like, okay, i got to start, you know, pushing the limits or the you know the edge of what I can do here we're losing right you get into the fourth quarter too sometimes you get some more bland defenses the team's up they want to protect their lead right so he's he's uh succeeded in some of those areas but I I think you know it has been better the last two weeks to me it looks like they found a dash more creativity they found a dash more of like putting them in the trust tree where they finally just said okay he's either gonna start to take off and we could start to call some more aggressive plays or he's gonna crash and burn and we're gonna know he's not the guy for us in the future anyways I think they got to that point there so what is your declaration in this game because yeah love was 12 of 17 167 yards two touchdowns in the second half Packers got going it was good team win in the second half but did they win it, or did the Chargers that's lose the big it in this thing. game? That's, that's the question, right? The Chargers are so bad on defense. It's, it's comical at times. You know, whether it's Wicks catching the ball at the end of the football game and two guys just bouncing off him like he was like Natron Means or like Christian Okoye or Bo Jackson, like wow. they couldn't tackle, Holy right? Macro. You like those three that I brought out right there? And then he runs, you know, or whether it's they give a reverse to Jaden Reed and like he doesn't get touched on a 32-yard touchdown run. Like it, it, it just it's insane what the Chargers do on that side of the ball. Let alone they drive down and Austin Eckler fumbles inside the five yard line. Let alone they drive down and have to settle for a field goal after Keenan Allen drops a pass where it was the sun was in his eyes. There's no doubt about it. You know I, I understand that. Hits him in the chest, wide open for a touchdown, right? Drop a touchdown or a big play to Quentin Johnson that's going to put him in position to tie the football game, at the very least tie the game at the end. So it's just um, they're annoying, the Chargers. I don't know what other way to say it. They lack a toughness. They lack detail on the defensive side of the ball. There was a the bad pass interference by Asante Samuel at the end. It's third and 20. It's almost like you, you, those are things, again, that, that goes coaching. Right? You know, in those type of moments, no, you make them earn it. You don't give them anything for free. Plus, like, stop the clock for them, too, all those things. There's just too many things on a weekly basis where I want to say little things, right? But all the little things of the Chargers have all grown into big things. And, you know, even the way their offense looks, it's, you know, it's good. 
but there's an explosive element that misses that misses at times. Uh, with the talent they have on defense, with Justin Herbert quarterback, the Chargers should not be a four and six football team. And Justin Herbert has been good lately. Last four games, nine touchdowns, one interception. Maybe not the big explosive plays that you want from this offense, but the Chargers now have five losses this season by three points or fewer. That's the most in the NFL. Brandon Staley, I don't know if you saw it after the – I mean, he, right. his post-game comments, he was as fired up as I have seen him. Yeah. Uh, Dan Sulis asks us, he goes, long-time listener, listening to you guys help get through my marathon last weekend. So thank you. We ran a marathon Man. with Dan. That's the only time I'll be doing it. Somebody <laughs> else's leg's got to do it for me. That's like – what is that? That might be two or three episodes, right? That's the one time where they're like, thank God they went an hour and 45. Um, he goes, what do you guys make of Brandon Staley's lack of composure at the podium? He seemed pretty shook. Never should snap at people who set the narrative, in my opinion. I, I, I would agree with that. You know, one, you know, that's not the thing to get fired up about. That's not – it doesn't give a good message to your team, your fan base, or anything. To me, it looks like a guy that's – panicking and becoming defensive right he doesn't like it he knows that he's his ass is on the hot seat here uh, I think everybody looks at it that way I don't think I'm breaking news with that comment right but that that to me is just it's the pro improper message to give out after the football game uh, I did not love that I did not love that I think it kind of speaks to them in general because they lose their composure late in football games right and usually a team you know, more times than not, every now and then, you know, it's not this way. But usually a team is a reflection of their head coaches. Mm. And, you know, I think we're seeing here that, yeah, there's a lack of detail. He's a defensive head coach, so the worst defense in football, you know. So that's where I don't know what to think of the Packers. Is the offense right on the right path? I do think Jordan Love looked better, so that's for sure. First 300-yard passing game right. for him. Decisions were quicker. And then I think on top of that, like I said, I think that, you know, they basically were like, hey, we're putting you in the trust tree here. We're going to call some plays to push the ball down the field, be a little bit more aggressive. He took advantage of a, a good amount of those, and it was a good win by the Packers. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with the Chargers. We talked about it. I mean, this is a, kind of it feels like a make-or-break year for them because they've had the pieces around. Them. I don't think there's any doubt. So, so last year was really a borderline make or break, and he saved his job by the skin of his teeth. Everybody in football knows you know this. Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton were trying to get that job. Everybody knows that. They weren't trying to get that job because they heard that they were going to keep Brandon Staley. The Chargers were thinking about letting Brandon Staley go last year. Right? He got to the playoffs. You know, they I think they gave him the benefit of the doubt, but he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt with the way things are going this year. Well, I think Jim Harborough probably still wants that job. I, I would think uh, with, with everything that's going on at Michigan right now, he probably wants that job, maybe even more. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. For the United States, unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. 
for the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. Olympics this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. So those are the comeback wins, and now we head into the rookies stepping up category. We start with the Browns, 13 to 10. I'm guessing this hit the under uh, in this game. Uh, the under was probably in the 30s or something like that. The Browns win by a field goal. They're now th- uh, 4 0 in games decided by three points or fewer, so they're the anti Chargers at this point. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson. That last drive, four of five, and then one incompletion, I think, was just a spike. Yeah, it uh, was. 39 it was. yards, got him into field goal range, showed some composure, seemed uh, emotional at the end of the game that he was able to do it and go in there and deliver a victory for the Browns. Clearly, they play through their defense, do the Cleveland Browns, but you maybe wonder, is that a formula that can get him into the playoffs and make him a pass? Definitely. I, I agree. You know, I, you know, one of the things we talked about in Football Night in America a little bit at halftime was just like, hey, can the, the Browns win the AFC North? No, I don't see that happening. I don't. You know, I'm still going to give the edge to the Ravens, which I think are an extremely complete football team. But do I think the Browns, just because Deshaun Watson isn't there, we went through this exercise last week, right? Are the Browns, I can't count them out. No way. With that defense and some of the playmakers they got, if Dorian Thompson-Robinson does what he do, did today for the most part, take care of the ball, make a few plays here and there, composure, right, and just – and, and, and play through your run game a little bit, they're going to be in every game. Their defense makes too many plays. They're too good that way. I thought he approached the game you know, really the right way from the get-go, and they, they, they approached coaching him the right way early, early in the game. It was conservative. It was bootlegs, right? You know, it was a field position type of game early on. You know, so the Browns got the ball on their first touchdown drive, I think at the 50-yard line. And they kind of just nickled and dined them. And, oh, now it's a bootleg to Ninjoku for 10 or 15. And then, you know, oh, here, oh, we run up the middle for another 10 or 15 and got a penalty. And all of a sudden they score a touchdown, right? I, I, I don't think Cleveland's out of this by any stretch of the imagination. Their run game is too good. They're too creative in the run game. Yeah. DTR can play quarterback. And, uh, now, I know it's not easy. I know he can play the position. I know he's still a rookie. But – you know, I have hope for the Browns, I guess is what I'm saying. And not only just to get in the playoffs. Like, I, I think they're a team that could win a playoff game. They have that type of talent. But we'll see where it goes. We'll see where DTR is. He's not going to be able to get away with this style play, you know, every week, right? That, that's, he got Pittsburgh this week where we know their offense stunk. But, you know, as the season goes on, DTR, yeah, his level of expectations or what we expect him to deliver for us, that'll have to go up for sure. I mean, he threw the ball 43 times. It's kind of surprising. I would not have guessed he would throw the ball 40. 165 yards total passing, I would have guessed. But on 43 attempts, that that is a surprise. Uh, Nick Chubb for Prez says, damn okay, Kevin Stefanski. Dude has this team 7-3 and three with three different starting quarterbacks. That's it, a pretty good It's point. incredible. We he, talk about Kevin O'Connell and what yeah, they're doing in Minnesota. He's yeah, doing the same thing. He's doing it, and he's, you know, he's, he's doing it the right way. The one thing you've heard me say this is a bunch, right? right? I mean, they're, they're, I think they can be better in play-action pass, but they are good at boots. They're very good at the screen game. That's the one thing they are. Right? And then they'll take the occasional, oh, you're playing us a little too over-aggressively on the run or some of the short passes, and then they double-move you. That's where they're really good. 
And that's a formula for a rookie quarterback that he can succeed. We'll see where it goes. But it's one of those where it's like, when in doubt, take the sack. When in doubt, throw it away here at first. It should be like that for DTR. We'll see where it goes. And, again, you know, the other side of the story here is same old story for the Steelers, too. Yeah. Right? And when you play the Steelers, we talk about this. The one thing that's really important is just don't let the Steelers' defense win the game. Don't let, like we talk about with the Cowboys, don't let J.J. Water, Highsmith, strip sack, you know, crazy blitz, ball pops in the air, throw the ball over the middle into triple coverage. He gets hit as he catches the ball, pops, interception. Those are the shit the Steelers do all the time. And Cleveland didn't let that happen, uh, you know, too much today at least. Yeah, the Steelers have held six straight opponents to 20 points or fewer, so they are trying to play a similar fashion to the Cleveland Browns, but their it, offense is worse than the Cleveland Browns even despite they have their, their top quarterback in Kenny Pickett here. Uh, the good thing for the Steelers is that they kept the streak going. They were outgained again. So if you're going to lose, at least keep that streak going because it is kind of a cool streak at this point. But let's give them one highlight. Okay. Can we give the Steelers fans one sure. highlight? Jalen Warren. He had 129 yards rushing on the day, including the big one, the 74-yard touchdown run. And there might be many asking why – he only got nine carries, and Najee Harris got 12 carries in this game. Well, I think that's been a question that's been asked a lot in Pittsburgh a little bit. You know, Remember, this was going on about four or five weeks ago where the Pittsburgh fan base was going, why doesn't Jalen Warren get the ball more? Why is he not starting? Why is he not the go-to guy? Right? Well, Najee Harris is a first-round pick. He's a bell cow-type running back. But I think it's perfectly legit to go, why don't we flip it around the other way? And let Jalen Warren be the main guy, and then let Najee Harris be the oh no, now we got to tackle this huge fucker running through the hole, right? There, there's something to that. Warren wears you down with his quickness, but here it's just a little toss crack play, right? They get Broderick Jones pulling around the edge there. Uh, he gets in the way of Denzel Ward, and it was smooth sailing. It's it's one of the things we we've seen with Cleveland, right? Cleveland is such a shutdown defense, and they go for the kill and the jugular all the time that you know they'll let up a big play every now and then because, as you saw at the start of this play, and we'll get it when it gets back, the dots get back here, you know, they have so many people at the line of scrimmage to where if you can get to the second level or get past the second level, you can be off to the, off to the races. We saw the Ravens do that last week. Uh, but, yeah, that was really the only thing to talk about in this football game on the Steelers' offensive side of the ball for the most part. And shout-out Miles Boykin yeah. there, too, number 13, getting in the way. Yeah, I, got, I, love, a good I job. love seeing wide receivers yeah. blocking down the field. Yeah, no, that's uh, special un- shout unselfish. Out. Good job by him. But, yeah, the Steelers' run game was the only thing to talk about. And it really – other than that play, wasn't that much to talk about, right? You yeah. take away the big 74-yard gain, you go average yard per carry is not that impressive from the Steelers. Uh, but, hey, they'll, they'll continue to battle, and it's, it's not going to change in Pittsburgh. It's going to look like this the whole year. They're 6-4, and four, and every game's going to be ugly and muck it up, and they're going to hope they can out-hit you and, and win the game that way. Cleveland's got a dangerous run game. You know who else has a dangerous run game? Who's that, Elman? We've been giving all the credit to the rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Yeah. The Houston Texans. They got it going. They beat the Cardinals 21-16. to They withstand Kyler Murray and any magic he was trying to dish their way at the end of the game. Uh, C.J. Stroud, three interceptions in this game, so some mistakes, some rare mistakes, down by the goal line. They should have had more points, but they ran the ball pretty effectively and a lot. Uh, Devin Singletary, 112 yards and a touchdown in the game. Houston has their first three-game win streak since 2018. Improbable. They are 6-4 and four despite not even playing their best football. No, it's uh, really 
phenomenal with what they're doing. Um, whoa, whoa. Sorry. Hold so on. It was fourth and three in the Broncos game. All right. They're backed up. It's 20 to 15 Vikings. Russell bought some time. He threw a nice floater to Cortland Sutton, who looked like he caught it one hand. It was P.I. I didn't know if they were going to call P.I. He caught it and got the P.I. 219 left. Okay. 20 to 15. Need a touchdown. Minnesota. They need a touchdown to score. We'll see where it goes. We'll keep you updated on the game. They, you they, already got, know. All, they got all three timeouts just to let you know that, too. So we will keep you. Yeah, we will keep you updated as this one finishes. But but OK, back to the Texans yeah all right that's what's scary you know the run game is getting going the O-line is getting healthy and early in the year it was like hey we're trying to run and be that way and we're trying to protect our quarterback and we're still going to run play action a bunch and boots and do all that you know but the run game really wasn't doing anything here the last few weeks it's starting to gash people and that's what's scary you know, I mean, they're putting up huge offensive numbers as far as yards are concerned every week right now. So that's what I'm impressed by. But the O-line, as we know, it is good, especially if it's all healthy. It's a creative run scheme with Bobby Slowick. And then they got a quarterback who's just plain old fucking awesome. You know, he started the game out on fire, right? And, I mean, he was throwing the ball, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is just going to be – this is unbelievable. It's just every week he's just going to come out and take – take over games, right? I mean, they just they, – uh, Kyler throws a bomb for a touchdown. C.J. Stroud's like, screw you, we'll answer right back, five plays, touchdown. You know, Kyler answers back with a field goal. C.J.'s like, screw you, we're coming right back down the field, 14-10, no problem, right? A little punt back and forth, they get the ball, and then he throws the unbelievable throw to Tank Dell on the back right of the end zone, moving in the pocket, and Dell – Runs like a deep corner route. I think we have the and puts it for on this. money. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that I don't know if that was the route by Dell. This is what I would love to know. I don't know if Dell was supposed to run the post route over the top, and he just saw Stroud break the pocket and then went, "Let me go that way." Or if it was supposed to be a corner route from the beginning. It could be either one because this is a very familiar combination with all offenses. It's like we run the post with a deep crosser, and every now we change it up where we don't run the post, we fake it and run to the corner because teams will overplay it, right? But nonetheless, it was a phenomenal job moving in the pocket like we've almost talked about every week all year with Stroud, and then just throws a dot in the back of the end zone. Throws a dot as he is a dot on this graphic to another dot. <laughs> yeah. It was really impressive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dots galore. Very Dots meta. Dots galore. Matt Casey <laughs> tells us. Uh, so the rookies are balling for the, the Houston Texans clearly did a great job in this last draft. You got CJ Stroud, you got Tank Dell, we just showed there. You also got another dude. And so let's go inside the numbers, powered by AWS. That other dude is Will Anderson. Had a sack. A couple of quarterback hits, including on the Cardinals' final fourth down there. He was going up against Paris Johnson a lot, another yep. uh, rookie, another first-rounder, top-ten pick. Uh, and here are the matchups, 24 matchups between the two stud blue chippers. And he got seven pressures. He got a pressure rate of about 30%, which is very, very yeah. high. Yeah. Uh, so He's saying, you traded that pick away? You didn't want me? Yes, you want exactly. a Paris Johnson? There's I'm going to show you what, right. what you missed out on. Uh, he is. He has. He leads all rookies with 43 pressures, and we don't need to get into. We don't need to rehash history here. I think we've done that enough. You know, it's like he, like in the whole lead up to the draft, he just wasn't your guy. He wasn't, he wasn't your cup guy. of tea. I wasn't the only person that had that Correct. feeling. You were and, not alone. But I'm wrong. I, I have no problem saying that. So as we as we prepare in yeah. like three months for evaluating more draft uh, picks, right. 
you know, what have you seen in the NFL? What do you see specifically today that is surprising you? I think it's just the overall raw explosiveness, right? I think that's the thing. And then the other thing I think, too, is, and I had people tell me this last year during the draft a little bit, that that wasn't the real Will Anderson last year. Mm -hmm. They asked him to get bigger and thicker, and he played five technique a lot of the times. Right. But all I have is to go on the film. Yeah. And I don't know that. And I didn't love the film and I didn't love the ability to get off the ball and disrupt to the capacity that the top five pick is expected to. Right. If you were evaluating his rookie film, you'd be a lot higher on it. A hundred percent. I think there's there's two things that really jump out to me. One, he definitely has lost weight and streamlined, mm -hmm. which happens to most players in the NFL. They get to the NFL and they realize, wait, why am I trying to like bulk up just a little bit more, 10 extra pounds, and I'm becoming slower and whatever else, right? And they get there and they realize, oh, wait, you know, the other defense ends just he's putting on muscle but keeping his weight down, right? And so he's become not only – I think more explosive, faster. He's in a defense that had a vision for him and saw that he could fit it to where they were like, hey, just line up wide and just be batshit crazy. And as long as you play hard and get off the ball and go after the quarterback and hustle to the ball in the run game and all that, you'll be perfect for our defense. Yeah. And that's where he's really fit D'Amico Ryan's style, right? The 49ers, we talk about psychos there, right? The Jets with Robert Sala came from the 49ers. They got psychos on their D-line, right? That's kind of what they want. They want high-effort, explosive football players, and that's where – uh, Will Anderson is is excelling in a big way. Yeah, he was a good dude. You talked to him too, he's a and great so it's dude. like this is awesome. That yes, he is, he is I'm glad. I hope like I this. see him. And he goes, man, you were wrong about me. Eat that shit, Sims. <laughs> yeah. I, I will be all for well, it. Well, this is what we have to do in the future, Pete. Yeah. You just need to call up some of these coaches. So, like, call up Nick Saban and just be like, hey, are there any dudes on your team that you said to get fat and that are playing out of position right <laughs> now? I just so people, we know. I had people at Alabama. I actually was telling this to some of the guys in the back room who were like, he's better than that. But you know, I mean, I hear that all the time. Where you hear from a coach, they try to tell me or sell me on some guy and I'm going yeah, yeah I'm watching him he sucks sorry you can't just tell me that but not that he sucked I wasn't even trying to say that exactly, but exactly. he's a damn good player their first two picks Tank Dell killing it and then Stingley had an interception on Murray oh today gosh. right so there's uh, last year's draft class coming about but I'm I, how can you not be excited for the 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 Texans Cardinals Kyler Murray another good game though I will say that uh, he does look good. It's not perfect on that side of the ball. And then, yes, the interceptions by Stroud were surprising today because they were all bad. They weren't like, oh, he got a little unlucky or whatever else. Like, you know, he had the one shallow cross and a tight coverage. The ball got tipped in the air. He threw another one where he tried to throw it in the back of the end zone. It was going to be a very high-degree difficulty throw to complete it, and he didn't quite loft it with the right trajectory. It got intercepted <laughs> over the middle there. Yeah. Uh, and then there was one, I think, on the out route towards the left sideline that, that wasn't a great decision either. But it's like we're showing his numbers right now. They're still insane. 470 yards, right. 356 yards, 336 yards. If he had three games like that in his first two years in the NFL, we'd be like, man, it, they got something there. Yeah. And that's back to back to back. Weeks. I know, I know. It's uh, it's it's amazing. It is. I, I don't, you know. Again, I don't know if he's MVP. He's good to be in the MVP conversation. I know that. You just put him in there. You just said MVP and him. <laughs> well, so he's, he's already in, in it. He's already yeah. in it. Uh, but either way, I think it's a, an incredible feat just to be in that conversation as a rookie quarterback. All right, and that was inside the numbers, powered by AWS. Monitoring minute left. Minnesota still up five. Russell Wilson, first and ten, back to pass, looking left, flush out of the pocket, throws it into the end zone, throws it up. Oh, in the other corner, Sutton goes up and Sutton. bosses it. 
Oh, my. Oh, wow. That was a dicey throw. There was a guy waiting on the left sideline. Uh, I think that was Makai Blackman, the draft pick oh. out of uh, USC, where he was kind of seeing the, the throw and Cortland Sutton come towards him. Russell throws the ball high in the back of the end zone. Oh. Cortland Sutton's a very big man, yeah. and he goes up and just jumps over oh and just uses the physical ability. Clutch drive right here by the Denver Ooh, Broncos to ten. go up. Kind of been outplayed this game. Uh, yeah, uh, Minnesota it feels like is the better team on the football field, but they've made mistakes. They've had to settle for field goals. And it's like we always talk about. The NFL is too close to where you let teams hang around. I don't care how much better you are than that other team. They're going to go through a momentum swing that's going to favor them, and they're going to make plays and – yeah, it's wow. Great job Sutton right there. With touchdowns in eight of ten games now this year, Pete informs me. So he's been a big play receiver for Russell Wilson back this year, back healthy. We'll see if the Vikings and Joshua Dobbs can come back. We are getting pumped. We are in the moment right now. But now we are going into the printing press. <laughs> Time to give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. We'll start with the Miami Dolphins who defeated the Las Vegas Raiders twenty to thirteen. Your headline for this game is Never Failing with Jalen. Oh, okay. You got it. You know what I mean? Jalen Ramsey's yeah. played three games. He's got three INTs. They do have He's a got loss. two today. They do have one loss. Right? <laughs> You're so, right. Almost never failing. <laughs> I just thought of that, you know. Um, but that's okay. But we we said the time. defense isn't failing. That's what I'll say. There we go. Okay? There we go. The defense in that loss played very good against the Kansas City Chiefs. There we go. You just saved saved our headline. (laughs) We don't have to have a correction and print it in tomorrow's paper. Uh, Two interceptions. Retraction. Retraction. Two interceptions for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Coach Massetti says, damn okay to Jalen Ramsey if the ball, the ball, the ball, as all the coaches in the Saban tree would say. It's all about getting the ball. He's for a phenomenal defensive player. We know that. His ball skills – that's what's incredible. I mean, today, both interceptions, you don't see DBs do that very often. Like, lay out to undercut a guy and catch and dive the ball, like two hands totally stretched out and come up with an interception. DBs are DBs for a reason. They can't catch. That's why they're over there more times than not. And then the deep post route towards the end of the game, right, to just go up and get the ball and kind of just go, wait, wait, I'm, I'm going to outplay the ball here compared to the receiver and just yank it out of the air. Extremely impressive. Miami's defense has been holding down the fort for Miami. We know the offense is still really good, but they've lost a little of their mojo as of late. You know, Tua starts the game with a fumble that gives the Raiders the ball on the 14-yard line, basically, I think, to start somewhere around there, right? Tua threw an interception pretty early on in the football game. Uh, so they had some issues that way. But, um, yeah, the, the offense has not been the same. You're seeing, I think, the NFL catch on a little bit to how the Dolphins want to attack. So we're not seeing as many big plays. We're still seeing a plenty because Tyree Kill is still the most unbelievable <laughs> player in football with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Uh, it was a valiant effort by the Raiders. But the Dolphins just too talented, and Raiders just, you know, couldn't come up with enough plays at the end of the football game to pull it out. I do kind of want to see how fast the dot is for Tyreek Hill on the 38-yard touchdown pass because he did have 10 catches, 146 yards, and that score in the game. The that most was insane. Receiving yards by a player through 10 games of a season in the Super Bowl era. He's got over 1,200 now. And if you're watching on Peacock or YouTube, just look at that 
10 dot and just turn on the jets and everyone is i mean everyone knows he's fast and he's still faster no than their angle no he's he exploded on this one and they're great at how they do it they send four eligibles to his side they got the running back on a swing route they got two underneath guys that you know kind of keep the second level defenders there to then open up a window 15 yards down the field for Tyreek to run behind those underneath guys. Tua's got great feel of finding and feeling windows in a defense. He makes a nice throw, and then, of course, Tyreek catches it and then just gets absolutely shot out of a cannon. I mean, out of a cannon. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, and he goes in and scores and, you know, has an unbelievable touchdown dance and all that stuff, too. They got Devontae Adams did the Raiders on the other side of the ball going a little bit in this game, had seven catches, had a, had a touchdown, but Aiden O'Connell, three interceptions. And, that, I mean, that's going to be the story for the Raiders. It's, they're not going to – Aiden O'Connell is, is, is not They're going to be, be a the pain answer. in the butt. I don't expect them to be lighting up the scoreboard on the offensive side of the ball. Pressure is going to be on the defense. You know, they caused three big turnovers in the football game, yes. right? Yeah. They got Tua to get the interception. They caused a Tua fumble, and they stripped the uh, tight end hill one time. I think that was early third quarter, if I remember correctly. It might have been late second quarter. In fact, I think it was late second quarter. Uh, but, yeah, to hang in the football game, and the Raiders also turned the ball over three times, right, Ahmed? I mean, that that's yep. extremely impressive that they could hang in there. It speaks to what we've talked about a little with them. Their defense is very well coached. Patrick Graham, their D coordinator, is really damn good. And they're not out schematic very often. They don't have the best players, you know, so they let up a play here and there, whatever. They don't have blue chip take over the game type of guys, but it's rare where they just get totally dominated on the side of the ball because of the positions he puts his guys in. Dolphins do stay perfect at home. They're 5-0 and at home for the first time since the year 2000, so keep winning in South Yeah, who Florida. knows what that game would have looked like if they didn't turn it over. I think yes. that's the big thing, Agreed. right? Agreed. You know, they, they, that affected their rhythm and their flow of the game. and you know They want to get up and put pressure on you and then let Vic Fangio call all these zones and zone blitzes and let Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb start to attack and the game becomes a track meet, and that's what they want. They can win ugly went a little bit through their yeah, defense that's 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 Being opportunistic that's, that's a good the way. thing there that's is some ugliness they're showing here I, I agree with you there they're seven and three now your giants can win there wasn't a whole lot ugly about this one I mean, there was a little bit of ugly in this one but they won the commanders the final score looks pretty 31 to 19 is the final score your giants get the win your headline for this one is jersey boy Okay, I was going to say boys, but I'm going to say Jersey boy. In just fact, more. I don't even want to say boy. I really just want to go Jersey <laughs> for my man. It. Yo, yo, that's my man Tommy DeVito, okay? Tommy DeVito comes in a quarterback, and we still beat the commanders. It doesn't matter. It's Tommy DeVito, baby. Where was this before? So he goes 18-26, 246 yards, three touchdowns. Now, he was sacked nine times, which is amazing. I think it's the first time in franchise history they've actually won a game where they've had nine sacks, and on the opposite side of it, it's the first time the Commanders have ever lost in a game where they have sacked the quarterback that yeah, many times. Right. Very unusual. Uh, but, but you usually win a game when you win the turnover battle 6-0. to zero, So that helps right? That's is the crazy stats on both <laughs> sides. You're like, wait, too. the Commanders turned the ball over six times and sacked the quarterback nine times? Yeah. Uh, they're pretty incredible altogether. You, you, it, I mean, it wasn't pretty by the Giants' offense. I think the big thing is that – the Giants' offense came up with a few game plan plays, right, that just got Tommy DeVito going. The Barkley first touchdown pass and then the Darius Slayton, you know, oh shit play or what you want to call it. 
those two things kind of, I think, got him going, got, got at least a little confidence in Tommy DeVito to go, okay, wait, I can, there's two touchdown passes. I can throw the ball. I think it gave the team a little confidence, so they opened it up a little bit. And, you know, early on in the game, didn't run the ball worth a damn, but kind of still stayed patient with it. And as the game went on, Saquon started to break some big runs and started to become explosive on that side of the ball. Tommy DeVito is a Jersey guy, too. Did you see this? I oh, mean, he's living at home he's with living mom at home. and dad. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Probably good cooking. And now he says his favorite food is chicken parm, which is a huge Jersey Italian you know, oh, it's, food. Yeah. And so now every, every Italian restaurant and sandwich place is sending him chicken parm, as you're seeing right now. I know. Like his, he's, he's, he's come from an Italian <laughs> household, and we got you know <laughs> chicken parm places on every corner in yeah. New Jersey. You, know, you don't need to send them to him now. <laughs> he, and, and he's going home, and he can live with his mom. She can make him at any time he wants. He, yeah, he, so he's living he the life. More chicken he is parm. living the life. He could gain 35 pounds here by the end well, of the season. Well, he actually could probably use it a little bit. That would help him. He, you know, he's, he, uh, I will say, I think today will be was huge in that they won't have to babysit him as much anymore. I think that's the big thing, right? Yes. No more babysitting. They're going to be able to at least go, okay, hey, he had an NFL game. He had some success. He made a few plays for us. We don't need to go into the next game going, we got to go the whole first quarter without throwing the ball with Tommy DeVito. Well, it kind of makes you wonder, and I guess, I mean, they know better than us, obviously, and me for sure. Yeah. But it makes you wonder why they did play so cautious with him early on. I think that's coaches sometimes overdo it, right, like we talk about. You know, it's it's oh, oh, I don't want the guy to do too much, so I'm going to devise devise a bunch of four and five yard passes where I want to be like well, that's actually really harder for the quarterback yeah. to jam it in there and do that stuff. You know, oh, I don't want to put him in bad positions. Okay, but the fact that you never put him in a position aggressiveness, he's always in a bad position. You know, so you're protecting him by not okay, he won't do anything disastrous, but you're also in that not letting him gain any confidence to help your football team out. I think that's something that coaches make a mistake of is a lot. And I think probably, too, they're, they've played a few games. They've had a, he's had a few weeks of practice. I bet you they saw, okay, he's getting better. He's got a feel for our offense. He's practicing better. He's seeing the defense better. And that allowed them to be a little bit more aggressive with, with the play calling. What would you make of Saquon Barkley? So those two receiving touchdowns, I think we have the dots on the 24-yard uh, touchdown reception yeah. from the, the, the second one was a game plan play. That was perfect as well. But, yeah, this is what I was talking about. See, they just they got into a few plays where, in this game, I think they knew what defense they were going to get from Washington, and they dialed up the right play at the right time. And on this play specifically, yeah, they got uh, a one-on-one, across-the-board type of matchup. It's one funnel is what we would call it. Hmm. And they know that they got Saquon max, matched up on a linebacker. It's uh, Davis, the they're, they're first-round pick out of Kentucky from a few years ago. And, you know, a lot of the times, yeah, when you're a linebacker covering the, the back out of the backfield in those scenarios, you're worried about the five-yard out route, the flat route. So you take an angle that's kind of aggressive to stop that. He turns it up the field, gets a step on Davis, and Saquon gets a step on anybody. That's, that's usually night-night. All right, the Giants get the win, although that does hurt their draft position here. So you got to start worrying about we that. We want to build a culture, all right? We I don't we don't ever give away games. We're the New York Football Giants. Yeah. When we get on the field, we play to win. Okay? That's what I can tell you about Big Blue, all right? So screw the draft position. I want to see them go and ruin their position again next week and win yeah. the game too. I do think that sometimes it's like it's like careful what you wish for. It's like Giant we, fans we, don't want tanking. We got the we got the number one pick, but we have proven this year that we have no building blocks for the future. It's like we don't give me want a, tanking. Give me a number ten or eight pick and show me that like I have some pieces for the future here at least. Yeah, uh, they get the win there, and that was give me the headlines presented 
by Hyundai. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. At the theater, more than the movies come to life. Movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. (laughs) Visit fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Perfect timing. It's over. It's over. Sunday night football. They're walking off the field. Sean Payton shaking hands. Joshua Dobbs in disbelief, sitting on the heated bench on the sideline. He could not make magic. I think there was an intentional grounding right at the end of the game. Yeah, Is that he what could happened? not make magic. Yeah, that's that's right. The, the Broncos' pass rush started to get to him as uh, as the game went on here a little bit, and at least flustered him and made him leave the pocket a whole lot. Took away the rhythm of the offense. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be disappointed in this one. The fact that they. Settled for field goals, right? Dobbs fumbled early on in the football game on the first third down when they tried to get cute. That led to a short field goal. Madison fumbled when they were in field goal range, driving the ball. I think that was, what, late third quarter, right, Ahmed? Somewhere yeah. right around there. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, those, those were big moments in the football game. Like I said earlier, it felt like a game where Minnesota was the better team on the field, hmm. but they didn't put – Denver away when they had the chance and slowly but surely Russell and company started to get into a little bit of a rhythm and they got it going and uh, won the football game four in a row for the Denver Broncos pretty impressive Sean Payton's got things going in the right direction there so um yeah four in a row they started what they were 0 and 5 and now they've won four in a row yeah no they were now they're five and five yeah one and they were one and five right I always gets me I forget to add it up (laughs) this is such an instant reaction that records have not been updated at this point um and if you, if you want to hear our live reaction to the um, game-winning touchdown from Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton, you can go back about 15 minutes where we called it in real time. Um, so, what, yeah, what does this mean? What does this mean for the Broncos? What have you seen from them the past few weeks here? Has, has Sean Payton figured out a way to dial in Russell Wilson? Do they have something working? That defense that gave up 70 points earlier in the year, it seems like they fixed a lot of things there too. What, what do you think about the Broncos I overall? think defensively it's nothing like – groundbreaking right it's just I think simpler more conservative Vance was maybe trying to be a little too crazy with schematics while still implementing to a bunch of new players early on in the football game I think they basically just said let's try to limit some big plays you know we'll mix up the fronts a little bit to play with the the quarterback and the run game a little bit for the most part it's pretty simple on the back end and they've adapted well and I do think 
They have some pass rushers on the edge that, if you do throw the ball, can cause some havoc. And they got some playmakers in the secondary that are a pain in the ass. So if they're in the right position, you know, between Sutton, Simmons, Kareem Jackson, McMillan, who is one of the under-the-radar awesome football players mm. for their football team, right, that – that is where you know they've improved on that side of the ball, and then offensively, it's being a little more clutch in big moments, right? Remember early on in the year, it wasn't that Russell was playing bad; it was just like, man, he was making his worst plays in the biggest moments of the football game. You know, that stopped, and I feel like Sean Payton's, as I talked about in the game tonight or on the pregame show, they've rewired Russell Wilson. He's got more command at the line of scrimmage. He's better in the pocket throwing the football. He's making some Russell Wilson magic plays every now and then, like we saw to win the game, gets out of the pocket, throws the ball up perfectly there. So, you know, I think he's rebuilt Russell's confidence. I think that's the biggest thing that's that's been done for um you know, uh, yeah. Sean Payton and Russell Wilson there. Excuse me. Cool. I like it. I think I think the NFL's better when the Broncos are good and they're it, rolling like It's a great fan base. It's a good story. They're too. hanging in there. And yeah, there's there's still a lot to be said about that six seventh spot. You know, in the AFC. The Steelers are six and four, but as we know, the Steelers every game's gonna be a nail biter. So they're by no stretch of the imagination do I expect them to run away run away with things here anytime soon. All right. Time for the taking care of business section of the podcast here some teams that were expected to win and did win we do start with the buffalo bills which they might think like hey we weren't expecting anything after what we've seen from them lately but they go out there and they obliterate the jets they avenge that loss from week one of the season to start it all off 32 to 6 was the final score it's their fourth win this season by 26 or more points which ties a franchise record. That just indicates what a strange year it they has been They either lose or they blow you out. Because bad teams don't win that many games by that many points. Yeah. Now, yes, you do play some bad teams, and maybe maybe that's when you eat. But uh, as, as we saw with the Lions almost losing to the Bears and the Dolphins not playing that well against the, the Raiders, is easier said than done. It is. They're a little bit of the, you know, my phrase always is they, they feast on the poor a little bit. Yeah. Right? That's what they are. And they are a momentum team that once they get – a few drives or something positive, they fly high, and it's hard to get them back down from that. What I thought was good about, like, first off, everybody, and I even had people texting me, like, what do you think was different about the offense today? Here's what I thought was different. Absolutely nothing. I mean, nothing was different, right? The only thing I would say is different is that, you know, Josh Allen was patient. I think that's the big thing, right? And they were willing to be ugly for a little while and just, okay, it's ugly. But be patient and wait because at some point you'll explode. You're too talented. You're Josh Allen, and I don't even care if your offense isn't that great and you don't have a running game. You guys will start to make a play or two, and all of a sudden kind of the floodgates open. What happened? It's like our old story. The Jets' defense was hanging in there, taking body shots, taking body shots. But, of course, their offense couldn't do jack diddly shit as always, right? And then it's just like, damn, the body shots start to accumulate, and I'm protecting my ribs. And, oh, no, here comes the you know 81-yard pass haymaker from Josh Allen, and now we're knocked out on the canvas and the game's over, right? That's kind of what the game was. But I think that's where it is. Just reel in Josh Allen a little bit. And, like, again – Josh Allen, for all these people out there, if I watch another show and they tell me Josh Allen's the problem, I, I want to go through the TV screen and go, are you fucking kidding me? He's the least problem on the whole team. He is the greatest thing on the Bills. Not even close. Like, not even close. He's the last thing that needs to be fixed or helped. They just got to learn to play better around him and maybe save him from him every now and then. 
I think that's the better way to save it, say it, right? And I think that's where they lost their way. But, yeah, I just feel like he was patient. You know, they were patient as an offense a little bit. And we're like, okay, if this is going to be ugly and it's 6 nothing and 9 nothing, then so be it. And they just kind of hung in there. And slowly but surely, the Jets' offense, more bad, turnover, short field, touchdown. And all of a sudden, they, you know, all hell breaks loose and they're blowing them out. Yeah, Scarecrow Bo says, damn okay, Josh Allen. That 81-yard touchdown pass was an absolute dart. Looked like his old self against the Jets, using his legs when appropriate, throwing dimes to all levels of the field. We have the dots to yeah. Khalil Shakir, who is a massive playmaker. I mean, I love the run after the catch on this play. He's the second-best receiver on their team. My son was watching, and almost, his head almost exploded. He's the second. He is, other than Stephon Diggs, this is, this is the guy – who can make stuff happen outside the realm of like, hey, I got you wide open as an offensive play caller. So I would hope they feature him a little bit more. We've seen him get the ball more here in the last few weeks, and you know I think that's why they're seeing it. They're going, we need playmakers, and this guy can do that from time to time. Yeah, Wolf2010 says thoughts on Shakir emerging as a legit number two wide receiver. I, I think on so. Board. I think so. I think your best world would be Diggs one, him two, Gabe Davis three. I think that's the way they should do it. I would start to put Shakir outside, Diggs outside, and have Gabe Davis be in the slot and have him be a big slot that works the middle, almost like a tight end, like a juju for Kansas City last year. That's how I would do it if I were them. you know. But please, everybody, Josh Allen is not the problem in Buffalo. He's only the problem when they can't do anything and then he just becomes a little bit like, hey, i got to take over, and they put too much on him. As Jason Garrett always says, the burden becomes too heavy. And that's what they've done to Josh Allen there. And then, I mean, come on, the Jets' offense. What? So the, yes, that's what we're going to say. We're, the the what defense was not say? the defense for the for the Bills was not the problem in this game. They had six sacks, four takeaways. Rasul Douglas, a couple interceptions, a fumble recovery. So big days for the Bills defense. But the Jets, yeah, zero for eleven on third down. They have now eight points during a three game per, per game during the three game losing streak in an NFL low nine offensive touchdowns. This season, this question comes from the real Isisu. No, the real Sisu. Is this the last we have seen of Zach Wilson as a Jet? Does the blame fall solely on him, or was he doomed from the start? Well, I think it's a fair question. I, I, have, I, don't, I think this will be the last. I do. In my heart of hearts, you know, I don't know. I know they've tried to stay the course of Zach Wilson. I think today will be it. I Tim, think they will make a move next week, no Tim, matter what. Tim Boyle was right. brought into the game as yep. Wilson was benched in the third quarter. Yeah, right. So I, I, I think this that, that'll be it, right? I think it's going to be I think to the point where they're finally going to look at it and go, we can't sell to our team anymore that we're trying to win with him at quarterback. And, you know, yeah, I, I loved Zach Wilson coming out in the draft, certainly. But there's just oh, a, no, I heard that. Yeah, you heard did that. You hear but that there's Pete? a natural. Did, wait, did you hear that? Pete? There's a natural. He goes, feel. I loved. He said past tense. He said past tense. I loved Zach Wilson. Yeah. Oh no, know. that might be the saddest well, part in this whole arc right now. Well, it, it's it, there's nothing positive for me to look at right now. You know, like we talk about inaccuracy, not the right feel in the pocket at times. You know, not the right feel to throw the ball away. There's just too much of that. There's a natural feel that's missing. Now, what I will say to the real Sizu, okay, in that question there is I don't think the blame totally falls on him. I think he's been in two very fucked up situations for a quarterback, right? So that's where it's tough, I mean, to say the least. And, of course, the Jets and their offense and the situation they're in are what we've talked about. Not only is it bad for Zach Wilson, but it was so predicated on, you know, we're going to let Aaron Rodgers do his thing at the line of scrimmage and all of that. 
And I'd still wonder how successful that would have been either. I don't really think it's going to be that great of an offense either way, right? Uh, but, yeah, they went, they went down a tunnel of we're going to make it all about Rodgers. We're going to let him go at the line of scrimmage, dissect the defenses that way, and basically call the game from there. And then Nate Hackett was going to give him, like, packages. Hey, we're going to get in this formation, and we, you and I have talked all week what plays we like in that formation versus defenses, and we're going to go that way. They're not capable of doing that. That took a big part of their attack away, and they've been reeling ever since. What we do know is that when Aaron Rodgers now gets healthy, he has a job back as a starting quarterback, which I brought up is, like, what if Zach Wilson balls out in this year? Like, what if he yep. learned a lot of stuff? And Yeah, we don't have to worry about don't that. Don't have to worry about that. Uh, Jets, go, Jets go down once again. The 49ers get a win over the Buccaneers. 27-14 was the final score. Speaking of winning games by double digits, it's the 49ers' sixth win this season by at least 10 points or more. Tied with the Cowboys for the most in the NFL. Brock Purdy was perfect. He was better than pretty good. Uh, during the two-game win streak, he has now over 600 yards, six touchdowns, and he had a perfect quarterback rating in this game, 158.3, which I love that that's a perfect quarterback rating. You know, it's like 158. Is that good? Just a round number that, that made yeah. sense or something? It's like that's perfect, <laughs> point three. Uh, the first with a perfect quarterback ranking for the 49ers since Joe Montana in uh, 89, week 10, if you're keeping score back home. Uh, Joe Montana nine, in week 10, 1989? Yeah. And who was it against? Oh, my gosh. Why do you, you do this look? to us? I, was, uh, was the Falcons something? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, just go. Just pretend it was the Falcons. Okay. Who was it, Pete? Oh, it was the Bengals. It was the Bengals. 1989, the Bengals. The Bengals, guys. Not the Bengals, the Bengals. Come Are on, you guys. really making the change? Damn, you guys. Come on. Stop bringing me down. Are Hurry. you trying to make the change? Uh, not really, Yeah, but I just thought of it right there. Um, he was perfect he in is, this game. He was Montana-like. He was. I, I, you know, when their offense is healthy like this, one, like, we talked about this a little bit with the Bucks a few weeks ago when they played – Houston Texans and Stroud. You know, Bowles is defensive coach, old school defensive coach. Everything stopped the run. That's the first thing of every game, right? You know, and this is a game where I was a little worried this would happen, that they would go, oh, gosh, they run the ball. Shanahan, McCaffrey, oh, my gosh. And they overplay the run to an extent where the, pass, the, the team that's playing them, just like Stroud when he threw for the 470 yards, they're like, we got to throw the ball. They're, this defense is ridiculous if we don't throw the ball against it. They're playing so to stop the run, and Purdy just picked it apart. And then, of mm. course, when they're healthy, like we talked about, Shanahan knows how to play everybody off of everybody. I mean, it was a clinic for the most part, right? Their defense let up a few plays in the past game. Bucks, I mean, Bucks and Baker made, made a few plays, certainly. Uh, and even when we're driving one point early in the football game and, and Fred Warner got the strip sack, on, on Baker uh, to stop that drive. But all in all, yeah, yeah, the 49ers are in a different class than the Bucks. We see that. I do the secondary for the 49ers. Still letting up a few too many plays and, and things that are a little concerning to me. But, you know, overall, that was a good win and, and pretty dominant. Pete has a correction. Yeah. It was the Falcons. It was the Falcons? <laughs> <laughs> How do you remember uh, that? I'm pretty good. Like, I know 89 was a special year by Montana. Yeah. They were 14-2, and two, the number one seed. He won the MVP. He won Sports Illustrated's Man of the Year, right? And I don't even think it was a big statistical day he had against the Falcons. It was just one of those, like, execution through, like, two or three touchdowns, like, 
two or three incompletions. One Montana, of those kind of yeah, Montana and Rice replaced by Purdy and Brandon Ayuk. Maybe we got baseball. Daniel one says, "Damn, okay, Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk is BA a true number one receiver? And what makes Purdy so effective throwing downfield for a guy without a great arm?" Yeah, I think well, he's got great, you know, what do I feeling and great? I guess inst. I don't even want to say eyes, instincts, feel for like. Wait, not only is – okay, I want to play this one-on-one go route, but I think he also has a good feel for like, ooh, I can see he's got the edge on the DB. Or, ooh, he's just about to turn the corner on him. Let me get it out of my hand. And he does throw the deep ball with height, so it lets guys run under the ball. So he sees it and dissects it. He gets it out of his hands pretty quick. Yeah, it's not going to launch it 60 yards down the field. But he makes it happen to where it's going to land 45 yards down the field. Yeah. But he's throwing that ball when Ayuk's at like 20. And he has the ability to kind of see and feel Ayuk about to break away and then puts the ball in a perfect spot. Like, hey, Purdy, Purdy's been making a lot of plays with his arm. Even during, during the losing streak, he made plays with his arm. That was the silver lining of the losing streak to me. Is that it was starting to show like, wait, if Shanahan doesn't deliver – you know, awesome runs or the Shanahan specials, like I got to call it. Brock Purdy looks like he can hold the fort down a little bit. Like if they have one of those games where they don't run the ball and Shanahan's off to where like Brock Purdy will make a few throws and plays where you go, holy shit, they're going to hang in this game or win this game because of Brock Purdy. And that's what he continues to show me. And Ayuk to our, our, our question there, yeah, he's number one-ish for sure. They're going to have a problem when the year's over. Mm. Can they really pay him, Kittle, Debo, McCaffrey, right? Going to have to pay Brock Purdy in another year or two here, right? Nick Bosa, all these damn people they got. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do there. But, yeah, Ayuk's having a great, great year. I just saw uh, Purdy's brother play for Nebraska oh, yesterday right. in that's Madison. Right. He started the year as a third stringer. And the story is very similar to Brock Purdy <laughs> hilarious. Uh, in last year. And one of the first plays of the game, he runs up the middle like a 60-something-yard touchdown run. Just super fast. I don't know if the Wisconsin defense is just slow, but we got another Purdy on the scene. Uh, for Tampa Bay, real quick, 4-6 and six now. Their worst start since 2019. But they trail the Saints by just one game for the lead in the NFC South. So they're still in it. Everybody's going to be in it in the NFC South. <laughs> they're never going to end. Atlanta, Tampa, and the New Orleans, I think, will be in it all the way up to like week 16. It'll be like a three-team race right there. Uh, moving on now, the Jacksonville Jaguars over to the AFC South. They're going to try to run away with it, but Houston's not letting them do that. They do get the win, though, over the Tennessee Titans. Dropped them to 3-7 and seven on the year. 34-14, the final score. And Jacksonville came out, and they were angry. They were like, we want to, pro- we want to show everyone that we're still good. Yeah. We, we still got it. They scored on five of their first six possessions, three touchdowns. Two of those were field goals. And Trevor Lawrence looked like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. The good Trevor Lawrence with four total touchdowns that tied a career high for yeah, him. Yeah, two running, two passing. Two running, right? two passing. Moved around, looked good that way. You know, got a little connection with Calvin Ridley that continues to go on an upward trend, you hope, right? Uh, I think you said it. They came out motivated. They whooped the shit out of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Tennessee's offense, it, it didn't feel like at any point that you felt like, oh, they're going to be able to sustain something throughout the day here and match Jacksonville. I will say with Jacksonville, there's still something missing with the offense. Mm. I do think they got to figure out a way – like, I think the, the basic meat and potatoes of the offense is good. I don't have a problem with the system and all that. And we know they're pretty balanced, and they run the ball. And, of course, I think the world of tra- Trevor. But I, I think too many drives that ended field goals. So it, it's like red zone, but also 
I, I feel like they got to find a way to maybe finagle three or four big plays a game, pass plays, to open up the field, to take everybody off of some of their bread and butter, right? Uh, to me, they were dominating the game, and there we were late in the second quarter, and I'm going, fuck, it's 13 nothing. Like, you know, they've kind of moved the ball, made plays between the 30s, whatever else, and then things would stall out. And it was one of those games where, okay, it was the Titans, and you knew that their offense was never going to get going, but you were just going, man, if Jacksonville plays like this against a good football team, they're going to go, wait, we dominated, we're up 13 nothing, and all of a sudden we're going to be, whoa, it's 20-all, right? You know, that, that to me is the one thing that is scaring me. It's hard to put my finger on it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I, it's, it's something I maybe i got to think about a little bit more. But I do think that maybe that's the problem or thing that bothers me with Jacksonville's offense. I know their defense is good. they got playmakers there for sure. You know, Offensively, like I said, players are good. Everything there is there. You know, the offensive line's not perfect, okay, but ATN's really good. I just think there's a – a, they need to find a way to come up with like three, four, five, fuck you game plan type of plays. And not even that they have to score touchdowns, just to back people up, open up the field, give the defense something else to think about. I think that's an element that might help them if they, they can infuse that into their offense a yeah, little bit. Kelvin Ridley helped them, certainly today. You mentioned it already. Ryan Watson says, damn, okay, Kelvin Ridley, seven grabs, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that's a few games now this season where he's looked like his old self. Yeah. Can he get back to having games like today consistently? Is that possible in their current offense? I, I think it is. I think it is. But even to that, right, that, that's where it's, it's oh, he's one-on-one and we're going to throw a go route. It's one-on-one and we're going to throw him a back shoulder. What I'm talking about is like, you know, with good offenses, whether it's Kevin O'Connell or Sean Payton on my, Sunday night or Shanahan, what we're talking about, does everyone have to be the guy has to beat the guy, right? You know, I, I don't mind that, but at some point, can we devise a play where he can just be screaming wide-ass open 20 yards over the middle of the field and catch it running and then do something like that, right? That, to me, is where... There just needs to be, I think, a little more creativity on the offensive side of the ball from Jacksonville. Like I told you, I like the meat and potatoes, the basis, basics of their offense, but there, there's certainly something along those lines or that element that they're missing. For Tennessee, it's their yeah. worst start since 2015. They have lost 14 of their last 17 games. Yeah, it's, it's um, fallen downhill, certainly. It, it's hard to survive the way they do in the NFL. They're trying to run the ball and play through their defense and and kind of manage that game, yet there's not that many playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Vrabel and company can only come up with so many things on the defensive game plan to slow you down. They can't run the ball to the same capacity they have been able to in years past. And then, of course, it doesn't matter if it's Ryan Tannehill or whoever, they don't still have enough people to separate at wide receiver. Right, so they they're a team where they come up with three or four game plan fu plays every game. It's just like they don't have a good enough players to execute the meat and potatoes of their offense a little bit. And I think that's what we're seeing and why they got rid of John Robinson, their old GM, is that they got too many guys there from that old regime or the old GM where there's just too many guys on the team that that aren't good enough, being paid too much, and you know I, I think they're in total revamp and try to retool this team for next year type of type of mode here. Carolina Panthers trying to retool the team. There's still more retooling that has to go as we have one more game to talk about on Sunday and the least surprising result of the day That's probably right. the yeah. Cowboys win That's 33 right. to 10 and kind of a theme here in winning games by um, double digit points as we've mentioned a few other times here. Dallas is now the first team the first team ever to win six of their first 10 games by 20 or more points since 
the 2007 New England Patriots. Wow. Good company here yeah. for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott looked good again. Micah Parsons had two and a half sacks. And Deron Bland did it again. Fourth pick six this season, tying an NFL single-season record. And we still got games to go. Christian Torres, Torres says, damn okay, Deron Bland, defensive player of the year, question mark, question mark. Hey, he's a player. We said it last year. When we when he came in and we were like, man, who who is this young guy that's just on an island and locking people up? You know, not only can in an island lock people up, good tackler, you know, but a little bit like we talked about Jalen Ramsey before, he's got just phenomenal ball skills. It's rare to see a DB be so comfortable when the ball hits his hands, he catches it, right? And the play he made, uh, I mean, shallow cross. One of the toughest things to cover when you're in man-to-man, the guy gets an inside step on you, he gets the lead, he doesn't panic, he puts his head down and basically just like goes, i, I, I got to turn on the afterburners here, sees Bryce Young gearing up to throw it, and then undercuts it to get the pick. Uh, that, that's special corner type of stuff. That really is. And the Dallas defense, as we know, is damn special too, right? You know, I think the the cool thing with Dallas, they got the run game going a little today. Pollard looked really good. You know, we're seeing Dak still be really consistent. It wasn't easy for them all the time on the offensive side of the ball. We say it every week. Carolina's defense is better than people realize, right? But slowly but surely, they wore their asses down. And Carolina's offense just not enough on that side of the ball. They ran the ball okay early on, but you know. A little bit like we just talked about with the Tennessee Titans. It's hard to win when you don't have a passing offense in the NFL right now. And Bryce Young, you know, the Cowboys' pass rush was all over him. They don't have guys that are going to separate from that Cowboys secondary. And he's not good enough or comfortable enough tight coverage just to throw lasers in there all the time against that type of defense. So, yeah, slowly but surely, the Dallas Cowboys, their talent just wore down the Carolina Panthers. Let me tag that Deron Bland Defensive Player of the Year thing because we're trying to start the campaign this year on the MVP. It's like it shouldn't always just go to a quarterback, right? You think Tyreek Hill should be the front runner for the MVP this year. You think he affects teams more than any other player, any other quarterback out there on any other team, perhaps, or at least that team yeah, more. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, you can make the same case about Defensive Player of the year. It's like a lot of edge guys. Defensive line, edge, you know, the JJ Watts, the Aaron Donalds on the on the line, and then the Nick Bosa's and like maybe maybe Stephon Gilmore won it in twenty nineteen. Maybe those corners, defensive secondary guys need more love in the defensive player of the year talk. Well, I I'm I'm not against it, right? Like there were some years there where it's like Darrell Revis and company, I think you know, like what? He was definitely one of the best players in football. He was definitely an MVP candidate. The Jets couldn't have done some of those defenses they were running without Darrell Revis. Hey, everybody else play one defense, and you just play that best receiver, and we'll just we'll be okay. Uh, I I do think it's undervalued. You know, hey, Miles Garrett, I think he's a guy that deserves to be in that conversation as well. And how about the fucking crazy fucker that wears number 11 on the Dallas Cowboys? I don't know. Every game I watch, I don't care what his stats say. There's nobody that is in the middle of a defense just creating chaos more on a consistent basis than Micah Parsons. He might come away with a game with no tackles or anything, and I still go, I watched him more on defense today than anybody else because he was, like, blowing up a guard, made the running back cut the wrong way when he was in a huge hole, you know, got by the quarterback who didn't get the sack, and now this quarterback had to run for his life and threw the ball away. He has such an effect on the football game that goes way beyond the stat sheet there. But, yeah, Dallas, man, when they get going, they don't just, like, win the game. They, they stomp you out. Carolina now 1-9, their worst start. 
since 2010. Bryce Young, couple turnovers. He was sacked seven times. He was under duress, as was, has yeah, been the right. story for most yeah. of the year for the Carolina Panthers. We don't want to forget Thursday night. Well, actually, we do want to forget it because we lost <laughs> Joe Burrow. We lost Joe Burrow, and I want to forget that that happened. But the Ravens did win 34-20, to 20, so now it's what Jake Browning yeah. is the man now. Right. Right. Which I will say one thing about the NFL, and this is why it's amazing. Yeah. It's like you, you see how quickly it happens. In any other league, the superstars go down, and you're like, oh, great. Well, this now this sucks. Joshua Dobbs for the Vikings now is like a, a, a name that people want to see. How is Joshua Dobbs going to play right. for the Minnesota Vikings? That's great about football. We're going to see the same thing now with the Cincinnati yeah, Bengals. Yeah, you know, football, there's, there's, you know, what's the old saying? There's more than one way to skin a cat, which is still weird because I was like, who skins a cat, right? Yeah, and I would uh, think that there's pretty much one way to do it. I, right? I would you take a blade so. to the cat and you I, skin you it. Just in it right i mean i don't know what the other ways are too i'm pretty sure that's a pretty say that's a saying though right i mean i'm not wrong about that not that we know it is a saying it for is. sure we don't know much about skinning cats no so, we, we don't but you know, this, my point was that's what's cool about football that's where coaches can go back and go wait we got to reinvent ourselves we got to play a different way what can we do that fits our style of players and teams that can still result in victories and winning a football game there that's a big blow to lose joe burrow because they're they are we talk. They're surgical. They're built on his ability to be a ball control, short passing football team, or a big play Bengals. They could do both. That's what was great about them. And it's a year where their defense isn't as good. So that's where it hurts a little bit. Like if it's the defense from the past two years, I think I'd go, "Hey, they're going to hang around and be a pain in the ass." And I still think they're going to be a pain in the ass here. I do. You know, I, I don't. I'm not going to write the Bengals off totally here. I'd like to see Jake Browning a little bit, but I'm definitely scared with the fact of what I just said. Yeah, the defense hasn't been good. Too many big plays. You know, it's been a theme of the year. They're not good enough at running the football for me to sit here and go, oh, well, now they can turn to that and they'll be better in that department, right? So I think that's what scares me about the Bengals. So disappointing with the injury the other night with Joe Burrow because it looked like we were about to get into a really good football game too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. And Burrow was starting to hit his stride, right? And I was sitting there watching. I'm going, damn, what's wrong with this guy? My son read his lips. He goes, I, you know, he's on the sidelines. He goes, I felt it pop, right? And then when he came out of the blue tent, the look on his face, I knew it wasn't good. And, of course, all you had to do was watch him try to throw a football, and that was night-night there uh, either way. But, yeah, yeah uh, kind of took the, the, the air out of the game when that happened. So, then you felt yeah. like it took the air out of the Bengals For totally, sure. right? I mean, they're sitting there thinking, wait, forget tonight. What are we the rest of the year here Ooh, without we? our best yeah. player? And slowly but surely, Baltimore kind of just wow. wore them out. They're 1-5 in, in the conference now. Yeah. One in five versus AFC teams right. this year. Uh, so here's the question. Beat the NFC West and yeah, don't like right. the AFC. So this will lead us into our Monday night football game. Who's the best team in the AFC right now? Is it the Ravens who beat the Bengals on Thursday night or the Chiefs who face the Eagles on Monday night football? I mean, I'm going to go with the Ravens in that conversation mm. still. I know they have one more loss. And I know it's the Chiefs and it's fucking Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Right, but I think in totality, I like the way Baltimore looks. But there's something about the Chiefs too. I mean, you know, again, I don't feel like the Chiefs rise to the occasion, you know, and that's what's special about them. And they'll be ready to go tomorrow night for the Philadelphia Eagles. I can't wait for this football game because, of course, Philadelphia is going to be pissed off too. They still feel like they should have won the Super Bowl. Uh, their D line's going to be pissed off. They got zero sacks, right? The Chiefs kind of threw that in their face. The Chiefs are still really good at pass protecting. It's a different game this year, though. This Chiefs defense is significantly better 
than the defense the Eagles played in the Super Bowl. That's for sure, right? And I'm going to be interested to see the game plan Spags has and what he does on that side of the ball. I'm expecting a really good football game. I picked the Eagles to win a close one Ooh. Yeah, in Kansas City. I don't feel good about that, but um, I just I, I, I worry about Kansas City's offense, as you know. And I just think the world of the Eagles football team right now, I just think they're going to find a way to make a play or two more to, than the Chiefs will, and they'll win the game. So you probably have the Chiefs, like, what, third best team in the NFL or fourth behind I, the 49ers? Or? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah Eagles, I think, Ravens, 49ers, 49ers, I think would be by top three. Here's and the then you'd fun, go yeah. to the Chiefs. Here's the funny thing, though. Yeah. If the Chiefs win this game Monday night, right. I mean, they go out to number one. I, I, I think you're right. It'll, it'll, I guess, be the final st- – nail in the coffin for me to go like I guess it depends how their offense looks yeah. but you know if their offense is good enough and they win the game they score points but then it'll be the final nail in the coffin to go ooh wait the D is like yeah. I know they're really good but they can hold up against this big O line and the awesome receivers they have on the outside, right? Which will also make me think if they had to play the 49ers in the Super Bowl, I'd go, oh, they'll be able to match up with them if they can match up with the Eagles. So it will change my thought in totality. We'll see. I mean, we yeah. know Kansas City, damn good, right? Uh, they have not played their best football on the offensive side of the ball. And I wanted to say one more thing about it. Oh, and yeah, I guess, you know, this to me – is the most complete team they've played all year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The Dolphins, we know, were awesome. I get that. But there was a real significant issue with the Dolphins' O-line versus the Chiefs' D-line. They're not going to have that advantage against the Eagles here. The Chiefs have played some less than offenses this year, right, that have, I guess, a part of me going – are they as good as I think they are, right? And that's what I want to see tomorrow night. I can't wait. Tune in to our Wednesday What the F Happened podcast, and we'll give you all the answers. There is no Wednesday What oh, the Oh, that's F right. Happened it's podcast. Thanksgiving. It's the gift that gives me a no podcast on Wednesday. <laughs> no, you still have a podcast. I know, right? just with Florio, the, the, the other pod, guy. The other not guy, you. The other guy. I know. Other, and you're other, special, and he's ingredient. not. He's a loser Vikings fan. <laughs> <laughs> I who, can't who, wait. I picked the Broncos. You he saying, picked the Vikings. Are you? Yeah, but I, on the year, he's beating you at this point, right? I, I'm sorry. I think I so. Know. Yes, yeah, he is. Why Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Did I say you were awesome and he was the other guy? What was I thinking? I felt like I needed to take myself down a peg. I'm winning against the spread, though, just so you know. There we go. Okay, That's what's important to the gamblers out there. I'm just making people money. I'm a man of the people. We All right, it. everybody. We did it. That's right. Ahmed's here. He was here today in his Detroit colors. It was blue and gray. They got the victory. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Week, week 11, Sunday night football recap in the books. I am officially becoming delirious at 1158 on November 19th. All of you be good. Check us out all week. PFT with Florio and then the Wednesday podcast with Florio, the Pickums. Enjoy Thanksgiving week. Enjoy a short week. I know I can't wait for the extra day off. It'll be great. Peace out, homies. Clap it up. Clap it up.